Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today, we were privileged enough to steal some time from one of the biggest names in golf photography, Mr. Channing Benjamin. Channing has made a name for himself appearing in Golf Digest, The Golfer's Journal, and Golf Magazine. His portfolio includes courses all across North America, including Augusta National, PJ West, The Quarry at La Quinta, as well as being a licensed photographer for Pebble Beach Golf Links. An amazing chat with a man that has inspired the Four Jack crew over the years, Mr. Channing Benjamin. Welcome to the Four Jack Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Four Jack Podcast. I know what you're thinking. This voice, kind of unrecognizable, but have no fear. It's your man Codes here. Chris, sitting to my left for a change of pace. How are you doing, my man? Codes, man, thanks for jumping back on. It's so nice to uh, have you in the lab and kind of just be sitting on on the left side in Tom's spot and just having a nice little... Easy street. Yeah, easy street tonight. Just sit back and listen to some cool stories about uh, someone that has been a pretty big influence on your uh, life as of late. Well, yeah, I guess you could say life as of late just as... Gen- and just in general, but another guy who's had a big influence is the man behind Jackson Labs himself, Mr. Jackson, Tom Jackson, Mr. NYC. How are you doing, mon frere? Oh, dude, after that, I'm doing a lot better. It's good to see both of you. I'm happy to have you back on the pod, Mr. Codes, right? Good to see you. Good to good to just dive into this one. I, I think it's going to be a pod filled with lessons on life and photography and adventure. Well, then let's waste no time and get right into it. Um, me and CPAs, we, we consider ourselves cohorts, so we live within the same parameters at home. So we consider ourselves safe partners. If you were to look on the Zoom podcast right now, you'd see we are not keeping a six-foot minimum, unfortunately. Try yeah. to, but can't just for the picture-in-picture. Picture. So him and I went out to the pint on Saturday night, and my brother-in-law had just given me an Apple Watch, this old Apple Watch he hasn't worn. And the best thing about the Apple Watch is the heart rate monitor. And so I'm going through it, and we have a, a waitress who, um, according to my watch, I like Fancied his interest. My heartbeat, oh. my heartbeat jumped from a resting heart rate at 59 all the way up to 83 beats per minute. Not even true. It was no, more north of 90. And so... I think I, I, the music must have not been that loud, but I think she heard me say something. And then C. Pays told me after that when she was coming up to the table, I did this thing where I like kind of like lifted the sleeve of my wrist in order to like show my watch. And I remember doing it and C. Pays is like, man, no wonder she hates us. You like tried to show her your watch. And I'm like, well, your no, I wasn't rate. trying to like show her my watch. I wanted to like have my watch exposed to like so I could check my heart rate right after anyway that led to cpays getting his plate stolen out from right underneath him before he's even finished his meal long story short i can't remember a time that i was more nervous than i am right now to introduce our next guest who's been featured in such magazines and publications as golf wrx golf digest golfer's journal oh the golfer's journal absolutely his portfolio speaks for itself, featuring such courses as Augusta, Bali Hack, Victoria National, 
What other ones am I missing, Pays, Tom? Pebble Beach. And the number one Pebble Beach. Folks, I might have butchered this intro, but I appreciate him waiting on the line so long. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Channing Benjamin. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And, uh, and you know, I always get humble when people say things like you just said. That means a lot. Um, you know, I I don't see myself. I'm, I see myself just like, uh, you know, uh, each of us see ourselves just normal and uh, people give me uh, accolades and love. I, I appreciate it. I work hard at what I do. And, um, and so that makes me feel good. So thanks. No, thank No, thank you. So let's then let's just dive right into it and let's just cut the fat. Uh, if you guys go to Instagram right now and search for our main man, you'll see that his body of work is unmatched of golf courses of, uh, the Quarry at La Quinta, Pebble Beach, um, Victoria National, Bali Hack, a number of, if we could rewind and just, can you take us back to even how you got started? Because your first passion wasn't in golf photography. It was something completely yeah. different. Yeah, I, I had no idea. It's so weird. So the, the life lesson here is... Um, what I've learned is you just got to go with your passion and you can't, you know, I never, um, I love golf. Um, and I like visual arts. So that's kind of like where that ends up right there. I am. I started off as a video director years ago. Um, I actually started in my dad's church, uh, in the early nineties, uh, doing, uh, directing like a, a national, uh, broadcast. They had uh, over the Armed Forces Network. My dad was like a hot preacher back in the Midwest, and uh, so I was. Uh, I got into television through his deal there, and um, I really had a passion for that as well. But I turned into doing some uh, work for an ABC affiliate. I did some talk talk show stuff, and then music um, was my my next uh, big thing. So I, I played drums. I used to sing all the time, and uh, I ended up being a concert video director. So I was 23, 24 when I kind of like hit it. Uh, I got it going pretty good. I started directing uh, live concert videos um, for major acts uh, throughout the Midwest. I'm from Indiana originally. So I did that um, for years. And then I moved out to L.A. I was a video director uh, for NSYNC, Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, Pink, um, name all these groups. I, I did like some major acts. Um, had big shows around the world, um, did big uh, HBO runs uh, at Madison Square Garden, had that whole thing going. But it was during that time in the late 90s, I picked up golf. So we were on the road um, traveling a lot, not a lot to do on the downtime except uh, meet chicks and play golf, right? <laughs> so we did nice both. Combo. And uh, yeah, it was a good combo. Well, the golf was a grind though, but the good thing is that we were with the hottest groups out and we could trade. Uh, tickets obviously for um, for rounds of golf. All of our rehearsals were in Orlando, uh, in Florida. So we played Bay Hill quite a bit. We traded out some tickets. Anyway, that went well um, for a few years, and uh, things changed uh, for me a little bit. They changed in the industry quite a bit too. Uh, with those groups, uh, you can do your homework on on how they all went their own ways. And so I did a lot of freelance stuff, and then. I just started playing a lot of golf, golf, golf. And I got pretty good. Um, I became a, after probably playing for four or five years, I got to maybe like a 10, 11 uh, handicap uh, somewhere in there. And I think right when you get to that point and you're golfing, um, that's when that real bug hits. You're like, 
dude, I broke 80. I can't freaking believe it. I broke 80. And then, but I only broke 80 like once. Yeah. Right. So then your goal is just to like, to keep breaking 80. And uh, so I just started getting into the game. So when I started playing a lot, I started playing a lot of different places and um, a lot of really nice places. And I would leave that place um, and always have a visual of uh, there's something about that, you know, being out in nature, being out um, alone, being a sunrise, sunset, that whole vibe that we all remember the you know, the early morning dew and that thing, it just resonated with me. And I would always try to find a way to capture it. And usually just with my cell phone, to be quite honest. So we're talking about Los Angeles, um, you know, getting away from LA was huge, you know, because there's so many people, right? So we'd get out and I'd shoot these, these pictures. And I was like, man, these are pretty sick. So I have my own like uh, collection, personal collection of, of images that I never shared with anybody. But um, then this social media thing happened. This guy told me about MySpace, and he was like, you ought to like uh, get on there and just like, you know, put some stuff on MySpace. And I did that for a minute. But then Instagram came up. And, and truth be known, I had this humongous um, catalog of images. And I was like, I don't want to pay to like put those up. That Instagram's free. I'm just going to like like start putting that like literally for myself. I'm yeah. going to start putting this stuff on, on there and just kind of like backing up my stuff on, on Instagram. Mm -hmm. One thing came to another. I got some people like kind of responding to it. And then people were like, Hey, is that, uh, you know, so-and-so course said, Oh, that's a sick shot. And you mind if we share it? Then I got a lot of feedback and a lot of um, love from my work, from my cell phone photography, to be quite honest. That was all um, cell phone stuff. So iPhoneography. That's the, yeah, that's the backstory. I'll stop there because I just talked for about five minutes. But it's, that's a full backstory, and it's the truth. That's how it went. And it's kind of like how it evolved to what it is is, like, still beyond me. But, I mean, I know how it, how it happened, but um, I didn't see it coming. So let's put it that way. In the when you made the in an article that I read, just doing a little research on you, I believe you were quoted as saying that when it came to the uh, video production side, that you didn't necessarily have the technical skills, but you definitely have always yeah. had the eye for framing the right shot. Yeah, I used to direct camera guys on what to shoot. I had the vision forever. My I'm blessed with the eye. I could see during live event, um, I used to do NBA basketball games, uh, for the, I was an in-house video director at market square arena. I always had this, like, like, uh, I knew how, I knew what I was looking for. Right. And I could tell people what to shoot and when to shoot it. And, but I never, uh, but I always had an engineer. Um, so when you do a multi-camera shoot, six to eight cameras, there's always somebody shading iris, shading light, you know, uh, tech, I don't know anything about that stuff. Right. I just know that it's too bright you know, or it's too dark. <laughs> that was kind of like the depth of my knowledge. And I just would know that it looked like crap. And then I, uh, you know, I picked up a camera. That was the tough part because uh, this is a good segue because I put the cell phone down and uh, right in like 2014, 13 cameras, digital cameras became affordable and, and like easy. And like, I had like this, like cool pics. And I can remember this little crappy little thing. It was a little thing, but it was so much better than my cell phone. Right. And then I got this like little handheld, uh, video camera thing and every, all the technology started changing. Well, then I got a DSLR camera and I was just blown away. Like 
this is exactly what I really wanted it to look like, right? And and but I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't know cameras at all, so I had to kind of um, learn that. Um, and so I'm just like with my golf swing. Another good segue. I never really had a lesson. I'm now one handicap. I'm a pretty good golfer, I think, compared to a lot of people just by natural ability. Same thing with a camera. I've never had some workshop at some Nikon place or Canon. Uh, I just kind of just started messing with it and trying to figure it out. And I always tell people that's the best way to learn uh, your golf game. When you figure out why you're slicing it, you're going to remember it better, you know, and longer than somebody who's telling you how to fix it. If you can kind of fix it yourself, same way, if you can change the aperture or, or, uh, exposure and shutter uh, speed on a camera and you learn how to work and how that all marries together, you're going to be a better photographer. So not that it doesn't help to get advice. I mean, I jump online, I go on YouTube, I, I, I look at all, I mean, that's the other thing. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. Everybody already did the work, right? So you just need to go do your homework and figure it out because people have already created all these videos and, and it's all right there, you know? So, and it's free. I like free, by the way, if you didn't know. Let's kind of fast forward into like what you're doing now, like through your social media using drone work. And as the player that you are, when you get a job to go out and do drone photography for someone, like, do you want to go play the track first to kind of have an idea of where you want to be shooting or you just go out there and bang it out? You know, um, that's a good question. It's a great question because I have a great, that's my, that's my little move right there. I always tell the client that I have to scout the location <laughs> first. That's a scouting thing, man. I got to get out there. And if I'm not out there, I but it's true. I don't know how that course feels. The the you know I could do I could definitely scout without playing. It's just uh, fun to, to be able to experience the golf courses, especially if they're nice. But typically, um, I'll throw that out there. Um, now I don't really get into that. To be honest with you, before I was kind of geeking on that. Now I'm like, I, really, it's more business. Now I'm just mm -hmm. there to like I want to just shoot the course. I mean, right? You got like, I don't, a couple, and I want to scout it, and I want to go out there and drive through the golf courses. And I have a good enough eye now. I can go hole number four, number nine, 12, and 16. Those are the money holes. Those are the four I need to focus on. I can tell that, you know, the other holes aren't great. These are like the signature holes, um, you know, and then um, I'll scout it for a couple of days because I, I need two days because the light changes, right? So I thought number three was a bust. Number three is like, amazing in the morning right if i'm there and i go oh my god look at the light in this hole things change as the light changes so i don't um i don't have i have time to play but i actually would rather play at the end um and and then the drone thing is a good scouting uh, thing as well though you pick that thing up you can see what's going on uh pretty good i mean but but driving around the courses is definitely the um the way I'll take a scorecard and basically just like circle the holes, almost like you're circling for the low handicap. I'll circle it for the muddy shots and then look at the sun and see which way it's going and know uh, how to shoot the course that way. Yeah. I feel like that's something, especially the courses that you're seeing. I mean, a good golf course, like a good design is a game always, always like a game of reveals the, you mm -hmm. know, you want to see those reveals in order to understand what you're shooting. Yeah. And you know, um, it's all about the light. I actually wear a shirt says it's all about the light. And the light <laughs> is, I mean, I've seen some dog tracks turn into like freaking Augusta. I'm like, I can't like, I have so many compliments from people who tell me, I can't believe that's not, that is not so-and-so course. That course never looks like that. And I'm like, I mean, I'm not like making it up. It looked like that. You got to catch it in the right light and you got to kind of like look for it. 
but now it doesn't look like that. I don't usually don't shoot in the midday unless it's a place like, you know, I did a shoot for the plantation course at Kapalua last week in, in Maui. And that course is, is interesting. Like midday is usually not good because the light is too hot. Like the harsh. light is too bright. It's harsh, not soft. You know, there's something about that place and it's the clouds too. There's, there's different um, elements there in, in uh, Hawaii, I guess, that make it, I mean, I was shooting uh, sort of in the midday and I was getting some money shots. It was clean, crisp. You can see the contrast from the ocean, from, uh, you know, the big uh, island, whatever that is back there. And just, it all like worked out. But typically um, the shots are best in the morning and in the evening. What's your take on clouds real quick? Clouds or no clouds? You know, I'm a cloud guy. I freaking love clouds. And I'll give you, uh, you know, there's some quote. I should write it down. I can't remember what it is. There's some awesome quote that there's that somebody wrote about photography and how clouds basically make the shot. I can't remember what it is. But, it's like a giant softbox. Yeah, basically. But, you know, uh, it's interesting, though. So my clients are different in that they don't like. I'd say eight out of ten of them don't like clouds. And I'm like, you don't understand the depth and the magic that brings to the shot. They're like, we don't want to see clouds. So I was in uh, did a photo shoot in uh, Turks and Caicos Islands um, a couple lives. years ago. Yeah, it was for um, a, Provo a Golf place Club? called Provo Golf Club. That's right. So, um, you know, I, I think it's owned by the water company there, but the Sheikh of, uh, of Qatar a, or something. Yeah, really it's a wild it. ownership group down there. Chris yeah, has played so at that golf a, course so many times. Really? Oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay, so you know the course. So it's funny. So they're um, they were nice people, and um, I enjoyed my experience. They took care of me and my family. It was awesome, right? I thought it was just like a great, like I mean, I'll I, yeah, I'm, I'll go there. But the uh, the client <laughs> didn't want clouds, and we're on a freaking island, right? There's and always so there's clouds. clouds. I mean, the whole time I was there for like 10 days, I was like, there was not a day that there wasn't clouds. And I'm going, I understand that. And even here in um, Palm Springs in the California desert, you know, I have clients who want um, no clouds because they think that people coming here are coming from Canada and from places where they see a lot of clouds. They want that, that electric blue sky that they don't see enough of from wherever, you know, wherever they live. Uh, I, so, you know, it is what it is. I don't do a lot of Photoshopping of uh, my work. Uh, I do know how to use Photoshop and I use it um, for fixing like tire tracks in the fairway from the morning or bunkers that the guy should have raked. You know, I have this like thing where I kind of present it to the client like, hey, you got to dial this place in because if you don't, I'm going to be like editing forever trying to make it look like Augusta do the best you can. So Photoshop really helps with like little imperfections like that. Or, um, but now, um, Photoshop has developed a sky replacement tool. Don't yeah, tell. I was just, I was just going to say along with the face changing tool that I could put a smile on. Yeah. Anyone's face. So I got it and it's good. And I'm pissed. It's good. Cause now it's like every time I want to freaking edit a picture, I feel like I want to throw that thing in there and see what it looks like. <laughs> just just a little like, sunset. Whoa. I mean, I've done it. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I just got it and I did it like two or three photos and I have posted one photo with it. I'm not going to say which one it was because it doesn't matter because it fits, it's clean and, and the sky looks like crap when I, when I shot it and it's a nice tool, but 
you know, stuff like that, unfortunately, it, or fortunately, it's there. I mean, I, I got a lot of mixed feelings about it. I mean, people can make things. Uh, here's a good thing. I think if they limit it to only like six or seven presets and only have, but then pretty soon you're going to know because everybody's got that sky, right? It's that same looking cloud that goes through the thing. You'll know that it's a, it's a Photoshop deal, but uh I've got a question for you, Channing. Um, yeah. Your your work is obviously uh, enough as a, of a resume to speak for itself, but how did you become uh, a licensed partner with Pebble Beach out of curiosity? How did that sort of take place? Uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have friends um, uh, at the Pebble, in the Pebble Beach area, so I go up there quite a bit, and um, I play Cypress Point quite a bit. That's oh. the um, trend connection there, and uh while I'm up there, I usually am there for at least a week, and I've been going up there since 2001 and playing, fortunately, Cypress Point like a lot since then. Humble and brand. every time I'm there, I would want to play, and I've had opportunities to play Monterey Peninsula Country Club, uh, which is pure, by the way. <laughs> the short course and the dunes course, those are money. And then I go over to Pebble Beach. And so I've taken photos up there unofficially for years. Some people there saw my work. And uh, they liked it, and I uh, came up there a few years ago and negotiated a deal. And uh, it's a real honor to have that um, ability to be able to sell the images that I shoot from up there, which is what that is. That's what the license agreement is. It's also an, a, an, a way for uh, magazines to purchase images to use. Um, and, you know, it's a nice little thing. Like, I don't work it probably like I – I don't know if I should. I, I could probably do more with it. I mean, I have ideas of of an art gallery, uh, like a photo gallery of just Pebble Beach and stuff like that. I just don't know how it's going to go. But I like it because I can go up there. It's one of the most beautiful places to shoot in the world. The microclimates that change, that place is, like, different all the time. I'll go up there. I'm just like, damn, this place is pure. Like, it's like, every, like the you know, that's another one where, you know, you get those, like, beams of light shooting through and then, you know, it just changes, and uh, you have the ocean. It's a super dramatic uh, place. So I'm planning on going up uh, there at the end of this month, too, to do a new shoot. I haven't shot up there in, in several months, and it's time the COVID situation has kind of um, wreaked havoc everywhere, including there, and uh, it slowed my role a little bit. I had plans to go up there a couple times before, uh, but uh, it's a great uh, opportunity uh, to capture some cool images and share them with people. Um, I think people like my perspective. I have a different look. Um, it's hard to shoot a place like that, that, that <laughs> has been shot 5 million times, right? There's only how many photos of Pebble Beach, but when someone goes, dude, I've never seen number 12 look like that or something. I'm like, yes. I mean, that's the goal. I mean, actually, I'm, unfortunately that is my goal. When I go up there, I'm trying to find a unique perspective and, and it's either you know, from above uh, with a drone or it's uh, with different lenses. And I've learned how to work different lenses to get um, some nice, uh, unique perspectives. So, Yeah, I was reading a bunch of going, going through your Tamron lenses that you like to operate with. But I also yeah. fell a, across a piece that says that uh, you think that golf and photography have a lot in common, the main one being mm -hmm. patience. And so then mm -hmm. I'll flip that sort of statement as to is there been a time where you had to execute patience is where like a shoot didn't go as planned or cause everyone always asks you about, Hey, 
what's your favorite yeah. course? And you'd say Pebble Beach. And I'm trying to flip the script and say, what was one that really just got to you that <laughs> pull your hair out? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll give Burks. you a perfect example. That <laughs> happens all the time, by the way. And I'm not a patient person, really. I've learned. And that's a real challenge for me to just chill, man. You just got to like, because I don't, I don't want to set up a tripod. I don't like doing any of this. I like to get in the cart and kind of shoot on the fly. What kind of photographer does that? Like, you know, you see, I mean, this guy. I do. If you do, I'm yeah, there you, you go. Though, I'm I mean, yeah. it's, it, it's, it can be done. And I think it's better to do that. But then as I'm maturing in my photography, I feel like I need to get a tripod and set up and just <laughs> wait for the, like, you know, I just want to wait on it. <sighs> I mean, I get that part too. There's that part that's important. It just depends on where you are. But um, I started this thing called the golfography experience a few years ago. It's been super successful. It's my like, it's my baby because I'm trying to figure out, you know, in the end, just shooting golf courses. I mean, that's cool, but it's like, what else, right? What else is giving back somewhat uh, to people who message me all the time and they go, hey, you know, I, this is really what they say. That's where they go, dude, you're living the dream. Um, how can I care? I just want to carry your bag. I get that all the time. And I'm like, I know people are kidding, but they're not, but they are, but they're not, but they want to be a part of that. And so I said, what can I do? So I created this, this workshop that's, and it's not a workshop and it's not, it's an experience. And I hate to say that word too, because it's overplayed, but that's what it is. It's like, I, I work with a private high-end country club to host a handful of uh, people who want to pay to come be a part of a three-day golf and photography uh, experience. And they get to live the dream that weekend. And I've uh, partnered with the Dormy Network. So that's what, how you saw uh, the Valley Hack and Victoria National. And there'll be a few more next year. But uh, so just to answer your question, though, in the beginning of that golfography experience, uh, the first one we did was at uh, Rams Hill in Borrego Springs. Gorgeous in the Anza National Park or whatever. Gorgeous place. Great eye candy for photography. Couldn't wait months planning on this thing, and we get there. You know what happened? Freaking rain. How's it gonna rain in the death? In the it never rains. It rained. So you know, part of this was developing the experience. So I'm like, I don't want everybody to sit in there and listen to me talk about like Lightroom editing techniques and have Patrick Canning, who's my uh, co-host. I don't want him to sit up there and talk about social media. I mean, there's only a little bit that you know. We need to get out there, right? So we play golf. It rained. We came back in. We did that thing. And then we all just decided to go back again because we're here. So we're all like out there waiting. And it was a big, um, that's kind of where I really had that uh, thing come to light with patience is I got to talk to the guys who were there about, you know what? I want to get out there and, and get that shot like you guys do. But if we just wait on it, something's going to happen. Lo and behold, 20 minutes later, the most epic rainbow freaking the sky opened up. You saw this like this, this mountainous range in the distance that had these cool shadows all over it the, the light was hitting the green then there's a big old rainbow it was like it was crazy right and it was just the per i mean it wasn't the whole day but all of that complaining we did we got a money shot and you know they say it takes 100 shots to get the one money shot we got it in like you know 10 shots and we all just learned a lesson there about just you know waiting and being patient and you know um you know, that's the beauty of, of uh, outdoor and landscape photography. You can't control uh, that. 
You know, you, you're not indoors shooting a product or doing a portrait where you control the light. You're out there waiting on God to light the place. And it is what it is. Right. So I've learned to uh, also schedule uh, when I do uh, photo shoots for people uh, multiple days because of that. And, uh, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm always challenged with the patience thing and uh, I'm learning every day to just chill, <laughs> just chill dude. <laughs> and get, and just get whatever you can get. I mean, sometimes uh, I can give you one more quick example. I was in Hawaii. It rained again. Well, of course it rained in Hawaii. Yeah, it's always raining in Hawaii, but we were planning on uh, doing a helicopter uh, photo shoot. I had this open door helicopter photo shoot of, uh, of the uh, Wailai uh, golf course there in Oahu. It was, we ended up doing it, but that morning it was freaking raining and the pilots like, you know, trade winds, we're not going. You got to make the best of it. I ended up going down to the beach with these guys and shooting some shots of them hitting shots out of the bunker, having shots of them walking down a street that's lined with like surfboards and they have golf uh, bags on their back. It was just epic, right? Just got these like super out of the box, cool lifestyle shots that we never would have gotten if we didn't like have the patience to wait on the right thing. So I guess you just got to have an open mind and, and try to find something else, you know, uh, to shoot. Make lemonade out of those lemons. Yes. Yes. hundred percent. You mentioned uh, your co-host, Patrick. I don't know if uh, yeah. he's ever mentioned the golf course to you, Tobiano Golf Course up here in Canada, in Kamloops, yes. BC. Uh, yes. That's um, oh, well, I think I know you did. Oh, I, um, I, I'm always mentioning it to you. It's kind of my segue yeah. to lean into the golfography experience up here in Canada. I haven't spoken to Tobiano yet, but I'm sure when I mentioned that you and I are coming, they should open up their doors for us 100% to take some pictures. But along yeah. with being able to speak with uh, yourself today, one of kind of like uh, an idol, if you would, someone that I look up to in the, the realm, I believe you also had Mr. Stephen Malbon at one of your golf photography classes here just recently. Yeah, yeah. Those are kind he, of uh, he's a he's a friend of mine who who uh, reached out to me a couple of years ago, uh, literally uh, because he loves what I do, and he's like, man. Your stuff, you know, I'm not geeking. I mean, he was kind of geeking a little bit too. He likes uh, the way I present things and he just, uh, he wanted to hook up and he kind of wore me out. I didn't know who he is. He was like, he kept calling me and I'm like, who is this dude? <laughs> but he's like, come, come. He's like, I'm going to come down the desert. Hey, well, we're going to play. We finally hooked up and we, we hit it off because we both like a lot of the, the same things. And uh, so at this, um, so he's been kind of uh a partner, I wouldn't say he's a sponsor. He's a partner, uh, Malbon, in the golfography experiences, and he's been able to give us a product out to guys. And then this last one, uh, he actually moved to Virginia from California during all this COVID uh, mess, and uh, he uh, wanted to be a part of it. So he came, and he, uh, he did his thing, and we had a great time. So then I flip the question back to you. Who are some of your idols or people that you look up to or respect in the – game of life if you would just not related to photography oh man mm. oh, on the man. spot <laughs> ask those hard I like questions that. here on that the means we're gonna that? get a good answer uh i mean well it's honestly i mean i, I gotta be careful here but i don't idolize anybody I'm not a star gawker kind of guy. I don't have that person where I'm like, dude, if I could just meet Tiger Woods, that's not my deal. 
I've never been like that. I'm just, I can't think, like when you said that, I was I probably should be embarrassed, but I can't think of somebody like right now off the top of my head. I, I mean, the first person I did think about, I'm going to say it. I thought about Barack Obama. And let me tell you why. Oh, yeah. Whether you like Obama or not, I don't get to talk politics. I just want to think about, I was talking to my kids. I have a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old. And I was trying to explain to them how hard it must have been for this guy to be the president of the United States for eight years. And I was just explaining it to him because I just, I just, there's a thing there that, that uh, because of the last four years that I have a hard time um, with. Um, and I, and then I just feel like uh, that's a person who has kind of like, kind of like, I mean, he's, that dude is like, he's, he's solid to me. I just think he's, his personality and the way he shrugs things off and this, I mean, I, I really respect uh, him and, and that's just who I thought of. Right. I have no idea why I thought of that right off the top of my head, but I did. There you go. So one. I guess uh, I throw that guy out there in photography. I mean, I guess it depends on the, the, the medium too, of, of, of what we're talking about, who I look up to. And, um, Good news know. is Barack also likes to play golf. So that kind of like works out nicely. I've been a part of that though with me is I've been really fortunate and really blessed in my life to be around so many like, like, like big name people. I really have. I've had an experience. I got so many stories just from the entertainment business and how I've like, I've been around a lot of people and people are just people, right? I mean, it's just like, you know, I, I respect my dad. I mean, more than like Brock probably. I, I mean, that just, to me, it almost like goes without saying. I wouldn't be here without him. He's done everything for me. I mean, it's, it's deep like that. Um, and I'm just not, I'm not, I'm not a star, uh, star either guy. I mean, I just, uh, and, and I know that's not the question either, but I think that's what most people kind of, I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's what it's, it is. I, I'm, okay. To me, what I'm hearing is you keep it real with everyone, no matter, yeah. no matter who they are. And I think that's 100%, like, it's more important than any title that you could ever have is like, let's just keep it real. Whether you're Mick Jagger or you're the caddy at the golf course, we're going to keep it. I real. mean, I get along with all of them. Well, you got to keep it real. And there's so many not keep it real people in this world. That's the other part that I'm just, it just hurts. I mean, it just breaks my heart, man. There's so many people that are into, um, that thing and i'm just not into it so i think they're just protecting themselves right like i guess there's, there's I a mean, piece to me that like i'm afraid to let let it out or whatever so i gotta put up the shield and it's like just let it down man yeah let it Have down and, and and keep it real that's my new thing we're gonna let it down and keep it real that's what like that's my new caption that's tomorrow's caption oh, it's <laughs> sick. they're gonna be like what does that mean and then i'll then i'll tag you guys let it down <laughs> like and that. keep it real yeah, the hair. Channing, let the hair down. Don't mean to you keep, let the hair down and keep it real. <laughs> don't mean to keep you too much longer, but I have one wild question that I saw, and I'm not, I guess, yeah, an aspiring photographer and golf course, and I love it, and so on and so forth. But I just wonder if you could help me out with a little tip. I heard that I can keep my ISO down as low as I want, and then always bring my exposure up in Lightroom in order to avoid grain in pictures. So to almost not even see, is that true? Uh, it depends on your, um, I mean, you want the ISO as low as possible, obviously. 100 is 100. I mean, that's great. I mean, but these cameras nowadays have, um, which I think is overkill. I mean, they, they can produce some pretty decent um, 
images at a high ISO. I wouldn't ever personally take it over like 600. I mean, 600 even. I mean, if I, I hate a grainy photo hate it. and, um, I just think that if it, if you're trying to make something, um, um, using your ISO that doesn't happen because you have poor light, it doesn't happen. You can't make that picture work. I just want to shoot it. I've struggled too hard. I just did a shoot, um, yesterday, literally at a Bighorn uh, golf club. They have this place called the vault where they, the members uh, there are uh, very well to do and the vault has about 40 or 50, nah, maybe 40 cars in them. And they're all like a million dollars and they're all the members as cars. And the vault is epic. Like you go in there, you're like, are you freaking kidding me? Well, they have these, uh, they had a, this red Porsche something sitting out in front of this place. Uh, and they had these, uh, this, uh, the decorations were all red on top of the building and it says the vault and they wanted to see the lights, the Christmas lights, like lit up. But you can't do that in the daytime. You can't do it at night. So you have to do it at the blue hour, right? So you got to wait. Till, so, But there's no light at the, at the car in front of the thing. But the, So I'm trying to expose this thing properly. And I was, that was a perfect example of what you're talking about where you guys need to put – there's no light on the car. So, <laughs> I mean, if I mean, I'm not going above the, the – the, I, I, I think I went up to like 400 ISO. I came back and I looked at this thing. And I mean, it's not going in a magazine, so it's fine. I mean, but if it was, it's unacceptable. It's not going to fly. And in that case, they, we should have lit the car, you know, properly. And then, you know, there's some things that, that uh, should have been done to make that work. I'll post that picture on my story actually later. It did come out pretty sick, though. It was, it was, it was pretty good. I, I appreciate that ISO 600 tip. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, I don't think you can do it. I mean, some guy, I'll tell you one more thing. When I did that Hawaii shoot, shooting out of a helicopter is pretty wild. And uh, and I have two more minutes, so I'll throw it out there. Shooting out of a helicopter, I've learned that you're moving fast and your shutter speed's got to be right and your ISO's got to be right and your aperture's got to be right. So I was reading up on on aperture or uh, ISO settings and now the guy's like, oh, it's you know, two guys that'll so just put it in auto ISO, you know, these high end cameras, they're going to, you know, you can set the minimum uh, ISO and the maximum and just set it at, at like 1250 or something. Well, I'm shooting uh, at sunset and this thing was went to like 1250 the whole freaking time. And I, and I should have known better. I should have backed that thing down and I just went with this guy. So like half of that photo shoot was kind of a bust because you know, it's an experiment. You can't like when you're shooting on the fly, you can't like zoom into the picture and look at it and see how grainy it is. I mean, you're not going to do that. So that's where that 600 number came from. I was just kind of like, never again. Shannon, that's perfect. I don't, we don't, we know that you're on a tight schedule and we don't want to take too much of your time, but we just want to thank you so much for coming on and keeping it real with us here at the four Jack podcast. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys having me. I hope I, I didn't talk too much. I try to um, talk as much as possible, but I uh, I appreciate it. And uh, you know what? Um, maybe one of these days I'll be able to come up to that course up in uh, Canada. Tobiano. Uh, Tobiano is the one. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, and that, maybe I'll come down to Pebble Beach, one of the two, Janik. Yeah. yeah. Well, we go. Let's not cross paths, though. No. You'll be up there and I'll be. <laughs> yeah. Scheduling conflicts. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Or maybe I end up hosting a golfography experience, and you guys are inclined to uh, come. There, there. Uh, I'm in negotiations with a couple pretty strong entities that hopefully they catch the vision and they uh, 
they take that pitch deck and they just run with it and they uh and we close the deals because it, it is really awesome and it's something that obviously you guys know golf and photography you would enjoy it mm-hmm. awesome well yeah once again we can't thank you man for jumping on with us and let hey hair absolutely real with us sorry about sorry about the shirt but oh, man, don't apologize for looking handsome <laughs> never a wahoo golf apparel baby wow, <laughs> all right guys awesome Thanks, thank man. you so much okay. talk to you soon all right Bye, see you. Okay. thanks everybody for listening cheers Arriba dirt you